Shirley M. Tillman, the 19th president of Princeton University, will preside at this, the 255th commencement of the university. President Tillman. The invocation will be pronounced by Dean Bridenthal. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, Keep watch over this family gathered before you here today. Let your love be a canopy over our heads, a firm ground under our feet. We thank you for relationships established and deepened in this place. And we acknowledge the sacrifices that have been made to bring us to this day. Of old and young alike, learned and unlearned, rich and poor. May your loving arms embrace the parents of those who graduate today, that they know and feel your abiding care for them. May your joy be upon all who teach here, that they may continue with generous and lively hearts to share their knowledge with all who stand ready to receive it. May your powerful spirit shield and sustain every member of this class. May the differences they have honored, the occasions for forgiveness they have embraced, and the community they have forged be forever a source of strength and confidence for them. Grant them by your grace the courage to seal by their life's work what they have already struggled to achieve with one another. May the measure of their delight in one another be the measure of a world renewed. Finally, we ask your blessing on us all, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. It is my pleasure this morning, on behalf of Princeton University, to welcome all of you to campus. I would like to extend warm greetings to families and friends who have gathered here to celebrate with the graduating seniors of the class of 2002 and with the recipients of advanced degrees from Princeton's graduate school. May I ask at this time that the parents, grandparents, 
and other family members and friends of today's graduating students rise and remain standing. you for the many contributions that you have made for the achievements that we celebrate today. Thank you. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank all of those who have contributed to the success of the last six days in which we have celebrated with our alumni and students at Princeton. From Margaret Miller, the staff of the Alumni Council, and the reunion chairs who worked so long and effectively to bring over 16,000 visitors to campus for the weekend. To Dean Bridenthal, who oversaw the baccalaureate service. To Dean Tom Dunn and the members of the class of 2002 who organized Class Day to the incomparable Anne Halliday, who manages it all with grace under constant fire. I would especially like to thank the buildings and facilities staff, media services personnel, staff in dining services, and public safety who are here at the break of dawn and late into the night to effect multiple transformations of this campus. They make events like today possible. Please join me in thanking them. The Latin salutatory will be delivered by Josephine K. Drew, a senior from Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Dei subnumine we get. Multa mutata sunt, coex tempore, scola nostra, sententiam ilam, sibi adscivit. Et lingua et significatio, plerisque amicorum eus hodie, sunt peregrinae et obscurae. At sicut latine loqui hodie, nihilominus, nobis aliquid oblectamenti, palis per prabere potest, ita mea fides, Aducit me, ut omnia bona petam. Adeo, qui nobis benedicere vult, longe ultra hanc diem. Itaque, ut quidam vestuarum poetarum, Tennisonius ut opinor, dixit. Perplicationem plus fit, quam hic mundus suspicator. Tibi gratias ago aba. Pro nostra praesidae, Shirley Tilgman, 
qual affabile facilitate et attenta diligentia universitatem nostrum nunc unum annum feliciter gubernavit. Utinam haec praeses nostra, multas et varias personas gerens, fortitudinem et prudentiam et multorum subsidium acipere pergat, dasis huic abundantem vitam. De inde, tibi gratias ago pro innumerabilibus viris et feminis, et in hoc campo et alibi, qui nostras necessitates usque a primo adventu nostro procurerunt, illorum ministeria tibi notiora sunt quam ut enumerem. Sane, sine eorum corporea cura, pauciora sana corpora, in quibus sanae mentes habitare posent, et sine eorum pecuniaria liberalitate, pauciora quidem et corpores et mentes, hodie omnino adescent. Ilis ostende, Officia eorum magni aestimari, Domine, et pramio afficae illorum labores secundum tuum perfectam cognitionem et bonitatem. Gratias tibi ago pro nostris professoribus et praeceptoribus, qui non solum docent et ducunt, sed etiam investigationes faciunt et edunt, mirabile mixtu. Vere gemimus illud duplum onus, cum unus quisque nostrum illas septimanas in memoriam redigit, ante diem deseos, vel operis ultimi tradendi. Reficesis illos in omni opere cum gaudio, utinam ne misericordia et veritas, illos deserant, ut gratiam et famam coram te hominibusque inveniant. Gratias tibi ago pro nostris parentibus, quos speramus iam se rogare filiusne filiaue sua, sit sola, quae apur universitatem princetoniensem linguam latinam non didicerit. Cum nos progredimur ad proximam aetatis nostrae partem, servasis nostros propinquos et necessarios, Atque gratiores nos pro hoc fac, quod mutue nos nobis ipsis inter nos datisumus. Denique aba tibi gratias ago pro sodalibus, hic hodie convenientibus, et omnibus amicis, apud hanc universitatem cognitis. Tempus fugit, ergo solitae ad notatiunculae de vava, veteri nasuau, Via prospecta, et ceteris talibus omitendae sunt. Sed tu melius quam nos intelegis, quali quadrenio hic usisimus. Utinam bonum duret, et reliquum ad bonum vertatur. Et ut occasionem praerepiam, Gratias tibi nunc, ago pro omnibus, qualia cumque sint, qua nobis in dies dabis, 
plena spei, quae mihi solum Christum spectanti est, pro nobis omnibus, et nostra alma matre peto. Tuo subnumine vige amus. I would like to introduce University Provost Amy Gutman, the Lawrence S. Rockefeller University Professor of Politics and the University Center for Human Values, who will introduce this year's winners of the Secondary School Teaching Award. Each year at commencement, Princeton University honors four outstanding teachers selected from the secondary schools of New Jersey. In so doing, we gratefully acknowledge the exceptional contributions of our colleagues who teach in high schools and middle schools. I would like at this time to recognize each of these three teachers individually who together have contributed over a hundred years of public service. Please hold applause until all of the award winners have been recognized. Helen Aslanides. For over 35 years, Helen Aslanides has taught students at Ridgewood High School the importance of studying the past to illuminate the present. Her students find that the better they learn to decipher the lessons of history, the brighter their futures become. Helen M. Bryce. Whether teaching English to non-native speakers or to advanced placement students at Lakewood High School, Helen Bryce shows them the beauty and the power of language and literature. As they learn, they unlock more than the meaning of the words. They discover the power and the beauty of their own being. Anne Marie McCormick. No combination of chemicals, however explosive, can match the powerful reaction Anne Marie McCormick achieves by exposing young minds to the satisfaction of new scientific discovery. The students at Jackson Memorial High School who come under the influence of her vibrant spirit and the infectious joy of learning experience a powerful catalyst for their academic and personal success. James E. Quinlan. James Quinlan has successfully reached the most challenging students, often by giving them opportunities to care for others. All his students at Vernon Township High School benefit from his care. What students build in his classrooms are more than models, furniture, and boats. They build dreams and the skills to achieve them. 
please join me in recognizing these teachers' superb contributions to our society's future. now introduce the Dean of the College and Professor in the Department of History, Nancy Malkiel, who will present the candidates for undergraduate degrees. At this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for Princeton University's bachelor's degree. Let me remind you at the outset that your diplomas and program certificates can be picked up on Cannon Green behind Nassau Hall at the conclusion of these exercises. We begin with the candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Before presenting you to President Tillman and to the trustees for the awarding of your degrees, I will introduce you informally, department by department. Please stand in place as your department is named. I ask your families, classmates, and friends to withhold their applause until all undergraduates in each group have been introduced. First, I should like to invite the members of the following departments to stand. English, Art and Archaeology, the School of Architecture, and Music. Please be seated. And now the members of these departments, Classics, Comparative Literature, Romance Languages and Literatures, French and Italian, Spanish and Portuguese, Germanic Languages and Literatures, Slavic Languages and Literatures, East Asian Studies, Near Eastern Studies, and the Independent Concentration Program. Please be seated. We turn next to the departments of philosophy, religion, and history. Please be seated. Will undergraduate members of these departments please rise? Politics and the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. <laughs> please be seated. Now those in economics, sociology, 
and Anthropology. Please be seated. Will seniors in these departments please stand? Ecology and Evolutionary Biology and Molecular Biology. Please be seated. Finally, I wish to introduce the seniors receiving Bachelor of Arts degrees in Physics, Mathematics, Astrophysical Sciences, Computer Science, Chemistry, Geosciences, and Psychology. Please be seated. At this time, all candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts are invited to stand together. <clears throat> President Tillman. I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Octoritate mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa vos et gradum primum in artibus et cum honoribus et un indicatum est admitto. At this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Once again, I will invite you to stand in place as your department is named, and I will ask your families, classmates, and friends to hold their applause until your degrees have been conferred. I invite Bachelor of Science in Engineering candidates in the following departments to rise. Chemical Engineering, Civil and Environmental Engineering, Computer Science, Electrical Engineering, Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, and Operations Research and Financial Engineering. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you 
who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Octoritate mihi accuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa, vos ad gradum primum in scientiis ingenieriis et cum honoribus et undicatum est admito. finally invite the entire class of 2002, 1,088 strong, to rise as a body. Artists, writers, scholars, athletes, campus leaders, community volunteers, recipients of honors, certificates, and prizes, members of honor societies, winners of fellowships, you have put your imprint on this university and you leave with our warmest congratulations. Please be seated. The faculty elects the valedictorian each year, taking into account special qualifications as well as scholastic ranking. This year's valedictorian is Lillian Beatrice Pierce, a senior from Fallbrook, California. Thank you. I am grateful to be face to face with the class of 2002 today. But it is the view that all of you have right now of Nassau Hall that is one of my favorite sights from these four years at Princeton. I used to pass by here once in a while, late at night in the winter, with a hot cup of coffee and I just stand still for a few minutes, sipping my coffee and looking at NASA Hall, thinking to myself with persistent awe, this is Princeton. So standing here in front of NASA Hall today makes me feel like I should be saying something eloquent and learned and possibly even monumental. But unfortunately, I was a math major <laughs> they don't teach us how to be eloquent, and I'm too short to be monumental. <laughs> Besides, Shelley's Ozymandias is warning enough for anyone who's planning on being a monument. Of course, I'm also far too young to be learned, although it is true that all of us are leaving Princeton with fuller minds than we arrived with four years ago. The thing that surprises me 
is not that we've learned, but that we've learned to play with our knowledge. With my friends, with my professors, I engage continually in intellectual exchanges which are fundamentally based on playfulness, a kind of informed silliness. For example, a math professor once gave us this problem. Can you comb a hedgehog so that all of its bristles lie down flat? Eventually, I solved the problem, but in the process of struggling with it, I couldn't resist drawing a cartoon strip about a very unhappy hedgehog. My cartoon showed exactly why you couldn't comb it, and I think that in the end, the mathematician that I drew just shaved the hedgehog instead. On the other hand, an act of informed silliness could be something a little more ambitious. Returning to the important subject of hedgehogs, you may have seen Sarah's sculpture, The Hedgehog and the Fox, over by the stadium. Three ribbons of rust-colored steel form two undulating parallel pathways large enough to hide in. If you've seen it, what did it make you think? I've pictured a piece for two violins based on the sequence from a gene in the human DNA. We'd perform it, one violinist in each channel of the sculpture, playing a melodic sequence corresponding to the bass pairs, racing to the end of the gene. Sometimes, I'm fooled by someone else's acts of intellectual playfulness. Once, an unsuspecting former student came to visit one of my English classes, and the teacher, ordinarily far from facetious, introduced her as a specialist in the language and culture of the Hittites, a civilization with the earliest recorded Indo-European language. At first, I was a little suspicious about someone who appeared to be in her 20s and also appeared to be dressed for the beach, being a specialist on the Hittites. But it seemed only appropriate to greet her in the correct tongue. So I said, Chris wants S. That was, in fact, the only phrase of Hittite I knew. I'm not sure who was more puzzled by the confusion that ensued? Me, my teacher, who had been joking with us and was fairly certain that his student knew absolutely nothing about the Hittites, or the visitor herself, who looked at me quite horrified. <laughs> All I had actually said was, hello, in Hittite. I really admire this compact Hittite phrase. Hwiswant's S was used as both a greeting and a farewell, and literally it means be alive.
after I noticed a tendency towards a particular kind of playfulness in myself and my friends and teachers, I began to see that such playfulness was everywhere, practiced not only by freshmen in college, but by masters in every domain of human inquiry. John Kenneth Galbraith, disguising himself as Mark Epernay in his spoof, The McLandris Dimension, or Jorge Luis Borges, writing reviews of imaginary books. Matisse, in his wheelchair, wielding Brobdingnagian shears to shape gouache-coated pieces of paper when he had grown too weak to paint. Or Paul Clay and Gunther Schuller creating their twittering machines, one in paint, one in music. Also, the National Security Agency providing complimentary juggling balls for its mathematicians. Or the cartoonist, Sidney Harris, wondering, why do we have supernovas, but not pretty good novas? Or Peter Shickley, fabricating that colossal musical in-joke, PDQ Bach. Or here at Princeton, Quipfire, Arch Sings, Triangle, or innovative Shakespeare. Perhaps you noticed that there are no women on this list of notables. I noticed too. I hope we are in an era when women will feel the bravado to be as playful in the arena of scholarship as they are prodigiously accomplished. Now, what exactly is this erudite absurdity, this reverent cheekiness, good for? First, I think it is fun. Second, when I begin to play with a subject, I know that at last I'm also beginning to understand it. Third, this sort of banter has created the camaraderie with others and the continual renewal of energy and curiosity that have allowed me to engage in the sustained effort of these four years at Princeton. Next year, some of us will be wearing suits. Others, like me, won't be able to resist the disheveled garb of college life, while some of us will wear lab coats, military fatigues, or even the Olympic uniform. Some of us will need to remember exactly what was said about blastopores in Molecular Biology 214. Some of us definitely won't. Some of us will need to know how Churl the Hammer, son of Pepin of Herstal and grandfather of Charlemagne, altered Europe by winning the Battle of Tours in the year 732. Some of us might even need to know how to play a crumhorn, but most of us will not. However, all of us are beginning the longest sustained effort of all, our adult lives. I believe that engaging in this kind of exploratory thought laced with humor 
will be perpetually helpful. We're lucky to be able to get the jokes and to make some of our own. Princeton has given us this. To our professors, our deans, President Tillman and President Shapiro, to our parents, our grandparents, our siblings, our friends, thank you. And to the class of 2002, my best wishes for the future, or as the Hittites would have said it, Hwiswans S. I would like to introduce Dean of the Graduate School and the Agate Brown and George L. Collard Professor of Religion, John Wilson, who will present the candidates for advanced degrees. At this time, we recognize each individual who has qualified for an advanced degree from Princeton University. Let me remind you at the outset that if your diploma was conferred by the trustees in their current meeting, it may be picked up behind Nassau Hall on the west side of Cannon Green at the conclusion of these exercises. As many of the candidates for master's degrees as are present, please rise in their places. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degrees of Master of Arts, Master of Fine Arts, Master of Arts in Near Eastern Studies, Master of Science, Chemistry, Master in Finance, Master of Architecture, Master in Public Affairs, Master in Public Affairs and Urban and Regional Planning, Master in Public Policy, Master of Science and Engineering, Master of Engineering. Octora Tati, Mihi Acuratoribus Universitatis Princetoniensis Comisa, Vos ad gradum secundum admito. Please be seated. Will the candidates for the doctor's degree please stand? President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. 
Octoritate mihi acura toribus universitatis princetonienses commissa, vos at gradum doctoris in philosophia admito. Please be seated. It is a very special pleasure for me to confer the President's Awards for Distinguished Teaching. I want to thank Charter Trustee Lloyd E. Coatson of the Class of 1950 and Emeritus Trustee John J. F. Sherrod of the Class of 1952 for their endowment of these awards, which enable us to honor today four members of the faculty for a sustained record of excellence in teaching at both the undergraduate and the graduate levels. Dean of the Faculty and James S. McDonald, Distinguished University Professor of Physics, Joseph H. Taylor, will introduce each award winner. I would like to introduce each of the award winners individually. Leora Faye Batnitsky, Assistant Professor of Religion, Richard Stockton Bicentennial Preceptor in the University Center for Human Values. Her success in illuminating some of the most important and difficult thinkers of the modern age reflects a remarkable ability to elucidate the most obscure topics with clarity. She connects the crucial theoretical dots in a way that gives students and colleagues a contoured picture of the conceptual landscape. President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Batnitsky. <laughs> Peter Curtis Bunnell, David Hunter McAlpin, Professor of the History of Photography and Modern Art, Professor of Art and Archaeology, Faculty Curator for Photography. To borrow his description of the renowned photographer, Minor White, his is the eye that shapes. For three decades, he has shaped his field as well as his students' approach to photography, opening their eyes to the photographer's special art of seeing while changing their very perspectives of life. President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Bunnell. <laughs> William Chester Jordan, Professor of History, Director of the Program in Medieval Studies. As a teacher, he is electric with ideas, filling large lecture halls of students with enthusiasm for his fields of specialization which sweep the intellectual horizon, from St. Louis to women's credit networks to the great famine in English constitutional law. The indelible mark he leaves on his students is an historical imagination rooted in a deeply sympathetic sensibility. President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Jordan.
T. Kyle Vanderlich, Professor of Chemical Engineering. Among her important gifts is her ability to translate abstract engineering theory into everyday situations. She treats her students as partners in an intellectual adventure of discovery so broadly imaginative that the mysteries of mass and energy balance are unlocked through the study of ice cream. <laughs> President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Vanderlich. Please join me once again in recognizing the contributions of these faculty members to the vitality of Princeton's teaching mission. <laughs> members of the faculty and staff who retire from Princeton this year are recognized in the commencement program. The university is grateful to each of them for their contributions to the Princeton community and their commitment to the fulfillment of the university's mission. Please join me in applause to express our appreciation. At this time, I would like to recognize two members of the president's cabinet who retire from their administrative positions this year. Dean of the Graduate School and Professor of Religion, John Wilson, and Dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Science and Professor of Chemical Engineering, James Way. On behalf of my colleagues on the Board of Trustees and on behalf of our faculty colleagues, and the many Princeton students whose lives they have enriched, I would like to extend to each of them our deep appreciation. We are delighted that they are returning to the faculty and so will remain at Princeton. Graduate education and the experience of our graduate students have been strengthened and enriched during John Wilson's tenure as dean. The engineering school has grown in size and expanded its contributions to research while becoming more closely connected to the life of the university while Jim Way has been dean. Our thanks to both of them. The University Orator, Robert H. Rawson, Class of 1966, and Chair of the Trustees Executive Committee, will now present the candidates for honorary degrees. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Science, Honoris Causa, Anthony S. Fauci. His achievements as a research scientist have given us new tools with which to understand the human immune system and the scourges that attack it. As a public servant, he has championed the importance of research into the HIV virus, 
and behavioral strategies to prevent infection. With intelligence and clarity, he helped the nation understand the medical implications of the anthrax outbreak, reminding us that while there is no vaccination against the threat of terrorism, the timely dissemination of thoughtful and accurate information is a powerful antidote. President Tillman, Dr. Fauci. Octor Tati Mihi Curatoribus Universitatis Princetoniensis Commissa Te Ad Gradum Doctoris in Scientiis Honoris Causa Admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Divinity Honoris Causa. James A. Forbes, Jr. Uniting in his sermons, head with heart, experiential concreteness with theoretical perspective, he has enriched the tradition of African-American and American religious oratory and earned widespread acclaim as a preacher's preacher. Through seminary teaching, he has nurtured generations of ministerial students by inspiring them to careers of spirit-filled preaching and transformative social action. From the pulpit of one of the nation's great churches, he reaches out across denominational, racial, and international boundaries, revitalizing the church and renewing the spirit of the nation. President Tillman, the Reverend Dr. Forbes. Octor Tatis Mihi Curatoribus Universitatis Princetoniensis Commissa Te Ad Gradum Doctoris in Rebus Divinis Honoris Causa Admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humanities, Honoris Causa, Terry Gross. Her voice is her presence. Her radio interviews not only reveal the connections between a guest's work and the life that led to that work, they also speak volumes about her her intelligence, her incisiveness, her wit, her aplomb, even her courage, offering us a cultural background that can inform our judgment and help us make sense of our world. She has become herself a cultural force. At a time when news is processed and pressed into sound bites, she satisfies our hunger for the whole story with a feast of facts and whets our appetites for new, even challenging perspectives with a breath of fresh air wave. <laughs> President Oct Tillman, Ms. Gross. Octoritate mihi curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa te ad gradum doctoris in rebus homanis honoris causa admito. <laughs> Thank you.
President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters, Honoris Causa, Bernard Lewis. For more than a half a century, the undisputed leader of Near Eastern studies worldwide, he has illuminated our understanding of the entire Islamic world, from the borders of India through Iran, Turkey, and the Arab world to the ocean boundaries of Morocco. It is not the clash of civilizations that has fascinated him, but rather their interactions and mutual dependencies over two millennia. With the seasoned experience of an historian, his penetrating insights, delivered with exceptional wit and elegance, have helped ordinary citizens, as well as powerful heads of state, understand and address the complexities and perplexities of our times. President Tillman, Professor Lewis. Octoritati mihi accuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa, te ad gradum doctoris in letteris womana ioribus honoras casa admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Laws, Honoris Causa, Colin Lucas. A preeminent historian whose specialty is France in the 18th century, he has uncovered the seeds of democracy in the chaos of the French Revolution. A preeminent statesman in the world of higher learning, he leads Oxford University's evolution into the 21st century. As Oxford's vice chancellor and a champion of its partnership with Princeton, he has expanded the boundaries of academic life and revived the International Republic of Letters. The same qualities shine through all his activities, intelligence and tolerance, selflessness and fortitude, grit and wit. President Tillman, Dr. Lucas. Octoritate mihi accuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa te ad gradum doctoris in legibus honoris causa admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Fine Arts, honoris causa, Emily Mann. As a playwright, she has borne witness to the centrality of stories sometimes thought marginal, providing us with unsettling yet eloquent documentaries of the way we live now. As a director, she has allowed us to hear the full range of comic and tragic voices in the works of Shakespeare and Ibsen, Chekhov and Williams. As the artistic director of Princeton's McCarter Theater and a teacher in the university's program in theater and dance, she has graced the stages and classrooms of our lives with her forceful testimonies to a theater that is both aesthetically pleasing and politically engaged, both beautiful and useful. President Tillman, Ms. Mann. Octoritate mihi accuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa 
te ad gradum doctoris in artibus elegantibus honoris causa admitto. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humanities, Honoris Causa, Cal Ripken, Jr. We honor him for his legendary perfect attendance record. <laughs> 2,632 straight games, eclipsing Lou Gehrig's record by more than 500, and for the excellence of his play, 19 times an all-star, twice his league's most valuable player. But more than that, we honor the qualities that he epitomizes, dependability, perseverance, stamina, devotion to duty, and his service to his community through programs dedicated to literacy, health, athletics, and the arts. In his work with young people, on and off the diamond, he seeks to help them do what he has always done, apply as fully as possible the talents they were given. President Tillman, Mr. Ripken. Octoritate mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa te ad gradum doctoris in rebus bomanis honoris causa admito. Finally, President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Fine Arts, Honoris Causa, Oprah Gail Winfrey. <laughs> Film producer, actress, publisher, television icon, philanthropist, her roles have a seamlessness beyond their effervescent success. Each one reflects her insatiable curiosity, commitment to universal literacy and the rewards of knowledge, and her insistence on the boundless amelioration of the human spirit. The theme of her life and work represents the university's highest aspirations of education, opportunity, and service. President Tillman, Ms. Winfrey. Octoritate mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa, te ad gradum doctoris in artibus elegantibus honoris causa admitto.
Now I would ask all of our honorary degree recipients to stand once more, and I would ask our graduates and guests to join me in applauding together their outstanding accomplishments. Graduating students, honorary degree recipients, distinguished members of the faculty and staff, trustees, alumni, parents, family, and friends, I am enormously pleased to speak to you today on this my first commencement as president of Princeton. It, <laughs> it's <fine>. <laughs> <laughs> It is our long-standing campus tradition here that the university president delivers the commencement address. And I'm highly honored today to have the opportunity to continue this tradition in front of all of you. During my installation as president last fall, Joe Cochin of the great class of 2002, in his capacity, as leader of the undergraduate student government, not only pointed out to me that he outranked me at that moment, but made some sage predictions about the critical issues that students would bring to my attention once I was ensconced in office. High-level concerns, like making sure that the cheeseburgers were always graced with the classic white cheese and not defiled with the inferior yellow. What really surprised me this year, though, was the number of invitations that I received from campus groups asking me to participate in all kinds of activities. And needless to say, I had to make some careful choices. For example, I decided to accept an invitation from one of our great a cappella groups, the Cats and Jammers. They are lively to be part of their fall concert. But I saved them a lot of embarrassment by prudently refusing to sing. My advice to you next time, folks, always ask for an addition. For a residential college fundraiser, Another group of students asked me to sit in a dunk tank so that people could throw baseballs in my direction in hopes of soaking me. Now, frankly, when I thought about making a big splash in my first year as president, this was not what I had in mind. That one I declined. But one invitation that I could not possibly resist accepting was to play God in the University Chapel's Christmas pageant. She was the role of a lifetime. <laughs> when most of today's graduates arrived here on campus, it was a very different time the 20th century, in fact. 
the stock market was skyrocketing, and students were starting dot-coms in their dorm rooms. The human genome had not been sequenced, and here at Princeton, we had not developed smart mice or gone Hollywood in a beautiful mind. And most significantly, 9-11 still stood for an emergency telephone number, but not a shocking and terrible attack on this country. Even though the time you spent here bridged two centuries, it passed with amazing swiftness, and yet you have accomplished so much in the classrooms, the colleges, the laboratories, in the library stacks, the carols, on the playing fields and the performance stages. You've been scholars, artists, musicians, writers, inventors, entrepreneurs, politicians, thoughtful dissidents, devoted team players, and tireless volunteers. You've made us laugh and cry and cheer and gasp and even gnash our teeth when the game was in overtime or the paper was overdue. Through your hard work and your dedication to learning, every one of you has earned the right to sit on this revered and celebrated campus green, even if you are sitting on plastic chairs. We are all proud to have helped you on your way, but the real credit for what you have achieved belongs to you. Let me offer my most enthusiastic congratulations. In preparation for my remarks at this ceremony, I spent some time studying the previous Princeton commencements, all the way back to our very first in 1748. I was rather inspired to learn that that one lasted all day. In the morning, the clerk of the Board of Trustees read the entire 3,700-word royal charter granted to the college by King George II of England. After the excitement of hearing this lengthy legal document recited, they broke for lunch, and in the afternoon sat through seven more speeches in both Latin and English. And then, as dark began to fall, they concluded with songs and prayers, praying, no doubt, that this oratorical marathon would soon end. We will not attempt to reenact that particular historical occasion today, but history is inevitably on the mind of anyone who inhabits Nassau Hall or lives with our medieval spires and gargoyles or daily walks the paths of this old battlefield of the American Revolution where the word campus was first used. All of us who gather here today stand, as the great physicist Sir Isaac Newton said, on the shoulders of giants. In this case, the generations of Princetonians 
so many exceptional individuals whose thoughts and actions have made a difference, not only to this university, but indeed to this nation and to free societies around the world. The very early Princetonians, those hardy colonials who managed to endure an all-day commencement, aspired to bring intellectual nourishment and spiritual freedom to a new land. They felt a deep commitment to the future, although they could not possibly have imagined how soon and how profoundly that future would unfold before them. But unfold it did. And Princetonians played a defining role in the creation of a revolutionary society and a form of government that flourished in the cause of liberty. Princeton's sixth president, John Witherspoon, who signed the Declaration of Independence, was an eminent teacher of history, fine arts, moral philosophy, and sedition. And he had plenty of apt pupils, like Light Horse Harry Lee of the class of 1973 and James Madison of the class of 1771. Witherspoon not only incited his students to fight for their freedom, he exhorted them to think about what they would do if they actually won their freedom. He called upon them to lead and prepared them to lead in what would become a time of extraordinary peril and uncertainty. And in the latter part of the 18th century, he shaped a distinctive Princeton philosophy that has continued to influence our thoughts and actions into the 21st century. As Professor Woodrow Wilson, a member of the great class of 1879, put it at the turn of the last century, Princeton is not likely to forget the sharp school of her youth when she first learned the lesson of public service. She shall not easily get John Witherspoon out of her constitution. And now, on this beautiful commencement day, when the events of the past year have made the danger and uncertainty in the world so horribly real to us, it is fitting to recall this fundamental lesson of public service and the spirit of this place that has flowed through Witherspoon, through Wilson, through Princetonians like those who addressed you this week, James Baker of the class of 1952 and Meg Whitman of the class of 1977, and certainly flows through all of you. You who are graduating today will leave Princeton prepared by a rigorous education, but steeped in a singular tradition. And as beneficiaries of this legacy, you bear responsibility. But such responsibility can be a wonderful source of happiness and satisfaction, and the call to serve others can take many forms. 
This winter in Washington, I had the pleasure of meeting Raj Vinokoda, a member of the class of 1993, who had been working in the business world as a management consultant when he started thinking about effective ways to educate disadvantaged students. As he learned more and more about the subject, what really struck him were the stark differences between the elite private schools and inner city schools. And he decided that if kids from very poor neighborhoods were going to succeed in school, they needed not only a challenging academic setting, but a safe and nurturing place to live. Surmounting countless barriers, he soon turned his vision into bricks and mortar, opening the Seed School, the nation's first urban public boarding school with dormitories, cultural enrichment programs, and a college prep curriculum. I visited the Seed School this year, and in the face of what so many people think of as intractable problems, I was impressed to see how much knowledge and confidence these students were acquiring and how absolutely committed they were to being the first in their families to attend college. In his determination to deliver upon the American promise of an excellent public education for every student in America, Raj Vinokoda has given new substance to the ideal of Princeton in the nation's service. Now in a very different realm, so too have two renowned molecular biologists, Eric Lander of the class of 1978 and Robert Waterston of the class of 1965. They were leaders of the team that organized the immensely ambitious government-funded effort to sequence the human genome. And two years ago, the monumental success of that project was announced at the White House and heralded it on the front pages of national newspapers. What is less well known is the role that these Princetonians played in establishing the ethical rules by which the data in the genome was to be shared throughout the world. In life sciences, it has been common practice to allow researchers a certain grace period before they are expected to share their results. Time to keep the data secret until they mine it for a return on their initiative and on their creativity. But Lander and Waterston argued that the genome project was so important and the information from it so critical that established proprietary conventions did not apply. They saw to it that new data were released from the genome sequencing centers daily so that every scientist around the globe could make use of the latest results. This was a sea change with profound ramifications in the life sciences and medicine that was brought about by two Princetonians who were serving in the nation's interest and indeed 
in the interest of all humanity. However varied their endeavors may be, what Raj Vinokota and Eric Lander and Bob Waterston share is a passion for their work, a tenacity of purpose, and a sense of individual achievement that is rooted in advancing the greater good. These enduring values, the foundation of your Princeton experience, will sustain and inspire you as you face a future that is, at one and the same time, highly perilous and wonderfully promising. To confront the peril and fulfill the promise, you must command a global perspective that we hope you have acquired on this campus. And you must continue to deepen your understanding of cultural complexities, the roots of conflicts, and the seeds of mutual prosperity. Someone who has served splendidly to enlighten our thinking in this way is another former occupant of those durable plastic chairs, Cheryl Wu Dunn of the Woodrow Wilson School's graduate class of 1988. Her own passion to understand the ancient cultures and modern realities of the Far East led her to become a foreign correspondent for the New York Times. And when the cry for democracy was drowned out by the rumble of arm, army tanks in Tiananmen Square, she was there with her husband and writing partner, Nicholas Kristof, she endured hardship, harassment, and danger to help the world comprehend the issues that were transforming East Asia. First through her reporting, which won a Pulitzer Prize, and then through her books, China Wakes and Thunder from the East from reports on major development in politics, economics, and human rights, to stories about the lives and hopes of ordinary Asians and what she called their ferocious will to succeed. Cheryl Wu Dunn's work represents yet another important dimension of Princeton in the service of all nations. On this historic plaque, green, a special plaque honors the alumni of Princeton for their devotion to service and their dedication to this great university. Today in the ceremony of commencement, you yourselves become members of this diverse and worldwide family who will look to you to carry forward their long and distinguished traditions. Whether your destiny is local, national or global, whether your future is starting a school, changing a science, or bridging the gaps between continents and cultures. As you walk through Fitz Randolph Gateway today, I hope that you will take with you not only the lessons learned in classrooms and the lifelong friendships that you have formed, but also the strong values of leadership intellectual rigor, and most especially, civic duty that you have embraced in your time on this campus. Whoa. 
Excuse me. In June of 1910, just before Woodrow Wilson left the presidency of Princeton to embark on his own remarkable adventure in service to the nation, indeed in the service of all nations, he spoke to the senior class about what he himself had found on this campus. There is a sense, he said, a very real sense, not mystical, but plain fact of experience, in which the spirit of truth, of knowledge, of hope, of revelation, dwells in a place like this. I urge you to take Wilson's words to heart. Carry forward the spirit of Princeton and all this place has aspired to teach you. The exuberance that comes from learning and discovery. The courage to stand up for what you believe. The courage to stand up for the rights of all. Compassion to care for others less fortunate the imagination to follow the unexplored path, and the freedom to dream. Thank you, and congratulations to you all. At the conclusion of the benediction, and after the singing of Old Nassau, Guests are requested to remain in their places until the platform party and the degree candidates have left front campus and returned to Cannon Green. The benediction will be pronounced by Dean Blanks. Receive now these words of blessing as you go forth into the world. May God, the eternal presence and mover of the universe, on the journey of life bless you to daringly dream dreams into being, give voice to your visions, and enable you to fulfill your destiny in the world. May an abiding presence and the long stretch of memory remind you that you stand upon the shoulders of others and the legacy demands that your life breathe into the cosmic sphere the fresh air of meaning and purpose. May an indescribable force and sustaining strength be in you and with you on the journey as you face the uncertain, unexpected, and inevitable realities of life. Friends, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor the human heart conceived, the good things that are in store for the seasons of your lives. Go forth in peace, in power, to repair, redeem, and restore the world that awaits your coming. Godspeed. Amen.